0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message.
1: Thank you, Jason and Olivia. Your your desire and your passion for Jesus is contagious. And um, it's very mutual what you've brought into my life, what you brought into my family's life since we met you. For everyone that's here today, I just really want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your life that you normally wouldn't do. You might have gone to another church or you might not be going to a church. I just want to thank you that you have come here today. It is extremely specific that we've asked you. So if you're in this room, there's a reason that you're in this room you know we are putting on a banquet here after this and the the bible says that if you put on a banquet you know um (laughs) bring bring in the poor bring in the lame bring in the crippled bring in the blind so if you fall into one of those categories that's fine if you don't that's that's fine it also says that bring the ones in from the other the other side of the uh, of the railway line I think Ross you, you you're on the other side of the railway line yeah yeah but um, I just want to thank you so much that um, you come in here it is very specific and and, and what I really believe God wants to do is just re-establish every single person in this room. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care whether it's the first time you ever heard the gospel, it's the first time you've ever been to church, or you've been invited as a guest. There is something in this place that's going to change your life, and it's not me. It's not going. To, you're not here to hear me. You're here. hear god and let me tell you matt and carmen you are here because god is going to rearrange and restructure and redesign your life in such a way you have no idea what's going to happen in the next 12 months it is going to be a complete restructure and a complete pivot from this moment on what god is going to do in your life why do i know why do i know that something's going to happen in this room today because this is what the Bible says. And they went forth and preached everywhere and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders today, God is going to confirm his word. Right? Church is not a spectator sport. Church is not a place where you come in and you sit down and you lean back and you have a look and hear what the guy is saying or hear what, hear what the lady is saying and, and, and just go, well, am I going to be entertained today? This is the place where you're going to lean in. And I'm just going to encourage you today, brother, just lean in because there's something so big for you. You are you're already big. You're already amazing. In God, you're already fantastic. But there's something that's going to happen in your life today. Something's going to change in your life. Something's going to connect in your life. And what's going to happen when you walk out that door is going to be amazing. So I know that God's not here to condemn us. He's not here to to tell you the things you've done done wrong. But he's here to empower your life, to live the life that he wants. I'm not going to give you the 10 keys to success because if I gave you a 10 keys to success, then you've got to go on and try to apply them. And it's got nothing to do with you because the job's already done. God's already done the work. Let me tell you about the faith, this faith, you don't have to try harder, you just have to dig deeper. You just have to trust deeper. God doesn't want us to come up with a plan. He just wants us to to believe. I believe today that all God's going to do, he says this, that I am the way. All he's going to do is point you towards the way. Father, I thank you for every person under my voice today, everyone that hears your voice today. Father, their life will be changed. I thank you, Lord, they're going to make a decision to lean in. They're going to make a decision to to hear what you've got to say. They make a decision that today they want to hear something that's going to change their life. You're about changing their life, God. You're about changing what is happening in their life. And I want to thank you, Lord, for every single person in this room. You know, how sad, how sad would it be that if you went through life and and not experienced God, Not experience the power of God. What if you went through life and had a knowledge of God but but denied his power? You say, Well, I don't deny his power. But if you haven't experienced God's power in your life, in actual fact you are denying God's power for yourself. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to experience who wouldn't want to experience God's power if they knew it was there for them? Sadder still, if I went through life myself. And I didn't show the power of God after I told people that my God was powerful. A God that had heard about this, uh, uh, sorry, a life that had heard about this almighty God, but displayed the opposite. Defeat confusion, discouragement, hopelessness. You know, life becomes like a soccer game. Every now and again, they kick you the ball, but you just can't even get a goal. And that's the, that's the thing, you see. I have, I have noticed this, this is my experience. That most people that I come across, no matter whether they've been in church for a week or 30 years, they have disappointment. They have a disappointment. There's something there that is sitting inside of them and saying, is this all there is? Maybe you've touched God's presence, but you haven't experienced his power. In Exodus 6, 9. So Moses told the people what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore because they become discouraged. Let me just say, people, when you got discouraged, it's very, very hard to come out of that situation. You know, sometimes our church experience isn't exactly what we think God was going to do. God's in the church, but he's not in everything that we do inside of the church. You want to know where God is? I'll tell you where God is. God's found in Psalm 39, 7 to 10. God is present in your life in every moment, every day. He is waiting to reach out to you to help you live your life by the power of the Spirit. God wants you to live a powerful life, not a life, that is structured by man, not a life that's structured by ourselves, but God. You know, you best find out what God wants or what God can do before you start asking him. Because I think you're going to find that you're going you're to have him short. God's big and he wants you to think big. You know, Abraham, against all odds, he just kept on believing despite the barrenness of his wife's womb, but despite his age, and at 90 years old, his wife had a baby. There's still some hope for us, darling. We can have another baby.
2: I'm going to pay for that one. You know, the disciples in, in uh, Matthew
1: 17, they tried everything to everything they thought was right to be able to see the power of God manifest in their, in their life so you had 12 of these guys around a situation. They'd all been around Jesus and they'd all been trying to make something happen and it didn't happen. So they were, they were a bit despondent. So they went to Jesus and said, what's the go here? And in Matthew seventeen twenty, he says, because you're not taking God seriously, said Jesus, the simple truth that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, say, you would tell that mountain, move, and it would move. There is nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. You choose whether you want to take God seriously today. You choose what your future is going to be like. You know, don't take it harsh, because he spoke it to the 12. We can hang out at church, or we
2: can hang out with God. If you want to get serious... What have you
1: drawn the line with? You know, have you said, well, God, you know, I've tried this and I've tried that. But what have you put a stamp on? What situation in your life have you put a stamp on and says, it's just too hard even for Jesus? You know, I believe, God, but you can't move that. I believe you, but you can't change that. I believe you, but you can't adjust that. I believe you, but you can't set me free of my favorite sin. Now, the true character of God is this, that he's more wanting to answer your prayer
2: than you are to ask him. Going back to the poppy seed, that is a container of poppy seed. That is all it takes. For us to move a mountain, Clarice. Come here. Take this. Stand up, young lady. You know God's calling you into a life of faith,
1: a life of faith. Not just a family of faith. He's calling you into a life of faith that you're going to look at God in a different way than anybody else. You're going to look at God and just say, "I believe. I trust." And I, there is not going to be a barrier between you. This is not something that you're going to take home and as a symbol. This is something you're going to take home and say, I remember this day because God set me in a place where I'm going to be able to believe for the unbelievable. You're going to have friends that come around you and just say, I've got this problem, I've got that problem, I've got this problem, I've got that problem. You're going to say, it doesn't matter. God is going to sort that out.
2: Brother, you'll never be short of faith again. You know, 63, I've never been in a better place with God. I've never been in a better
1: place with life. I've never been been more excited about what's happening in my life. I've never been more excited about what God's doing and what He can do. I just I today I just really want everybody to understand how significant. Your relationship with God can be if you simply want to put some trust into him. You know, when I got fir- first got saved, I needed to trust God simply because I needed to stay on the earth because my whole life was just such a mess. And, you know, I learned faith by something, believing for something that I'll, I never got and I never will get. This is what I learned from that lesson. I learned that God always has a better plan. He always has something better for me. He always has something better than I've asked. God has, God has always over delivered in my life. Seldom in my life has the, his
2: answers look like my prayers. His ways are always higher. You know, you can have anything in your life, but you can't have everything. I love sailing.
1: I simply love sailing. And I also want to bring up a photo here. Okay, this is in Greece. This is in Greece, so okay, all right. That looks really good, that's a lie, because outside of there, the wind was probably about 25, 30 knots, right? So what's happened is I've managed to come in and, and get a little bit of a harbor, throw the drone up, and it looks really good. It's sort of like a lot of people's lives, isn't it really? You know, you park and you and you see them on Instagram, and you think, oh, that's their life. But all you're getting is the highlight reels of their life. You've got no idea what stands behind there. See what happened from there, and the following day, two, or two days later, I was I was out in that lovely little little wind with my sail got broken. I sailed from um, from Patmos to Mykonos. It took me 14 and a half hours, right? The whole boat just got virtually submerged on every single wave. And you had, I had no idea what was standing, standing in front of me. But I want to tell you a little story about what happened when we went to Patmos. That was, that was my wife's idea. It wasn't mine. I saw it was too far down. She said, I want to go to Patmos. I want to go to Patmos. I said, okay. So you go into a harbor. Harbor a safe place, correct? Yes, safe place. So I go into, I go into the harbor. We sail in and, uh, it's 35 knots in the harbor. 35 knots in the harbour so I throw the anchor out we have to reverse back and and we head back very cautiously because that's all that's all a big concrete wall back there I've got a half a million dollar yacht and I'm reversing back into a concrete wall and next thing the whole thing skewers we get all these all all, all these fenders along the side or along the back and we and we tie up and it's just wow it's just a mess I'm frightened all all the kids are traumatized (laughs) from the from the whole thing right so I, I, saw, I watched this other guy come in and, and he's got this massive big yacht. They chuck the anchor out, they pull it back in, they, they park the thing so nicely. Two deck chairs come up, two drinks come up and here's this guy sitting on the back deck making life look really easy. I'm getting embarrassed because I'm, everyone's walking along and saying, are you all right, you are you all right? Well, kind of all right. Yeah, kind of all right. And, you know, I, I had half the town come in and try to help us more this thing, you know. This guy just comes in and parks. it. up. He's watching me, he's looking at my boat. He stops off, he hops off the boat. My wife said, I think that's a NASA." He's got, he's got, obviously got a lot of money. He's a short guy. He's got a cap on, you know, captain. He comes up and he goes, skipper, yeah, mate. Skipper, uh, permission to, uh, permission to, to give you some advice. Yeah, knock yourself out, mate. He says, um, you've got to go back out and plant your anchor deeper. And I said, what? He says, you've got to go back out and plant the anchor. I, I turned to the kids. I turned to Sam and, and, and Luke over there and it's going, we're not going back out there, mate. <laughs> no, 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 no. He said, he said, skipper, permission to come on board? Yes, come over, short man. Just come, come on my boat. So he comes over and he just looks at me and he goes, you've got to put your anchor back out there. He said, because you can't tie here the way you are. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he just said, because this is what we do, we have to do this, right? So I'm sitting there going, oh, this guy's not going to let up on me. I've got to go out there again. And he said, skipper, permission to bring another person on board. Permission granted. You just bring that guy on board now, right? So we start going out there and he goes, skipper, do you mind if I take the helm? Brother, it's yours. So he, he goes out. He goes right out, right out, right out. And then he, we drop the anchor and, he, and I, take, I take the helm and I start going back slowly. He goes faster, 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 faster. And I go, oh, no, that's a concrete wall. And he goes, he goes permission to take the, anch- uh, the wheel again. Permission granted. So he takes it and he streams straight back, stops just before the anchor takes hold. He throws the lines out, ties it up and walks
2: off my boat. Jesus said, you need to make sure that you reset
1: your anchor in your life and in your faith. And I thought, wow, I've been doing this for a long period of time and he wants, to, wants me to reset my anchor. You know, today I'm going to show you a little small slither of my life, a small glimpse of what has happened in my life why I'm so enthusiastic about the things of God, why I'm so enthusiastic about waking up in the morning and just conversing with God and getting engaged with God because what God's done in my life and where I've been is simply amazing. And I can look back and just go, I don't know how that happened, but it did. I was sexually abused as a child, as an alcoholic. I lost my marriage very early. I lost my business and I was extremely confused by the time I got, by the time I got saved. I'd failed high school at 15 years old. I had a chronic disease. I have two trades. I had time in prison between both trades. I've got a a diploma, I've got a degree, and I've still managed to land myself in some of the biggest messes that you could possibly think. I have a master's in dumbness. I had a young guy, I had a young guy come up to me and he just asked me, how did you get there? And I just said, mate, Let me tell you the dumb things I've done. He, his heart rejoiced, rejoiced because he could suddenly see there was hope for him at his age that I had done so, and he asked me, how could you be so stupid? I said, I don't know, (laughs) but but, but we're here. You know, tests and trials are going to come to all. You cannot trial-proof your life. I have seen the wisest fall into holes. I have a faith in his faithfulness that regardless of my mistakes, he has been the ladder for me to come out of those deep holes. Hebrews 11.6. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both, that he exists and he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Seven, by faith. Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. What is it that God is building in your life? Kieran and Mandy, let me explain very clearly. God is building an ark through you. God is going to build something totally totally new, something fresh, something you have no understanding about. But what it's going to do is going to change the direction of your family. It's going to change the whole history of your family. What is going to happen when you disconnect to what God wants to do? It is going to be different. You're going to go, well, is that God? But I can tell you now, as you come around that word, as you come around hearing what God is going to say to you, and you start building, you're going to see your whole family change. You're going to see your whole future say, brother, you are destined for greatness. You have got so much on your lives. You have got everything there. God is going to change and adjust and build and create something wonderful for your life you know it says here but without faith it's impossible to walk with God you can't even walk with God without faith you can't even walk with it and please him for whatever wh- whoever comes near to God you want to come near to God you want to come near to God you're going to need faith you must must necessarily believe that God exists and he rewards, he rewards, he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. You know, I can do difficult. I actually excel on difficult, but I really struggle with the impossible. Whatever you do in your walk, whatever you do in church, whatever you do with your relationship with God, if you have not attached faith to it, you are wasting your time with it. If you stand here and you worship God and you don't add faith to that, you are wasting your time. If you turn up in church to tick a box, you are wasting your time. If you're going to come into a meeting and not expect God to speak to you, you are wasting your time. Let me tell you, people, all you need to do is connect with what God wants to do. Seriously, is faith such a big thing with God? You know, the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, that's good. My advice to you is get a bit of faith godliness so you you can get some contentment with some amazing gain. Is it really important? You know, God says, listen, Malachi, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. One sold his birthright. What are you selling today short for your comfort? What have you given up? You know what? Jacob was a deceiver, a liar, a cheat. But he pursued God. He pursued God with a vigor. Yes, he had problems. Yes, he had issues. Yes, he, yes, he didn't get things right. But let me explain. He didn't sell himself short. Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. Let's look at the resurrection. Why are we going to look at the resurrection? Because, because that's what you're here for. God wants to resurrect your faith today, right? So we're going to have we're going to have a look. They turned up up at the gravesite. He wasn't there. Here's my first point, people of God. Stop looking at where God was. Stop looking for him where you found him previously because he has moved on. He he is moving on. And I can tell you now that that he is going to be be in a new place. You know, he appears to a group. He, he, sorry, he appears to, to a group of two women, uh, two lots of women. But the apostles didn't believe him. A couple of messages there. D- make sure that you're not the one apostle left out. Make sure that your life doesn't put you on the side and you become the one, not part of the leaven. The second thing I think you need to hear is listen to the women in your life. That, that's putting me back to, back to that position again. <laughs> Yeah, whew, that was a saviour. So the pack gets back together. So Jesus turns up. The, the 11 are sitting there. Jesus turns back and he goes, oh, guys, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. No, 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 he actually didn't. Let's have a look at what, what happened in Mark 11. 1. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he'd been risen from the dead. What has God shown you? What has God told you through others that you've made a decision that you're not going to believe? Why are you looking for a God that is not where where, where he was before? You know, in one of the versions it says this, that they were reclining at the table when Jesus walked in. Now I'm going to paint a picture here. Are you reclining at the table with a pile of friends just saying, how good it used to be, how wonderful it used to be in the old days, how amazing it used to be? Because I've got so many people that have been around my life that that's where they want to be. They want to sit in that room. They're not sitting there with an expectation to see where God's moved. God's moved on. God's moved on. God wants us us to find him. Yes, God is doing a new thing. But unfortunately, for a lot of people that I know, that is just simply a word.
2: It's not something that they have activated. A lot of people are just living in, in the past.
1: You know, Jesus didn't say, go into the world and preach the good news when he first got there. He got that faith thing first. So before we go back out and tell others we need to get that faith thing
2: right, I just want to have a look at a passage of Scripture out of Mark 9:22 to 24. And the Spirit often throws him
1: into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if, if you can. Wow, that's a challenge, isn't it? Hmm. How many of us have just gone to God? Well, if you can. What's trying to kill your, your future today? Finance, health, habits. You know, I've done some very, very dumb and unwise stuff that's tried to kill my future. Don't wait for death to deliver you from your habits. Death isn't your saviour, Jesus is. Listen to how Jesus responds. What do you mean? What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is impossible for a person who believes. That's the response that we get when we go to God and say, can you? Is it possible? Is it it something you're able to do? If I can. If I can. What do you mean, if I can?
2: You Don't you think the dad would have done everything he could? He would have tried everything to be able to to, to, to help that.
1: Don't we go to God saying, God, I've tried. I've tried everything that I can do. I've thought it through. You know, there's no way to go forward. But can you have another look? My problem, if you can. You know, the father cried out, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. In other words, help me with my ifs. My ifs, keeps stopping me. God is not challenged by your challenges. You know, this is what he said a little bit further up in, in verse 19. How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy, that problem you have. Sorry, that's not my son's. So I didn't mean to say that. To me, tonight God is saying, bring that problem to me. And the message I want to get very clear to you is this. God wants to deal with your ifs. You know, if you have a plan for business that you can manage and control, it isn't God's plan because it hasn't got any faith. He isn't seeking someone that says, I've got this, God. I've got this business. I've got this problem solved. I've got the family future all all mapped out. God says, I alone know the plans and and purposes I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. My advice is this, take the pressure off yourself. God's got this. Take your hand off the wheel and give it to him. God is integrous regardless of what happens. God is good. God is still good. It doesn't matter what goes on. It doesn't matter what fails or what doesn't look right. God is still good. In Hebrews 11:1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. I could uh, well, there's some very, very deep theological people sitting in this area around here who could probably break down everything there. But just, what it is basically is, is saying this is a legal document that God has given us, right? This is the evidence that we take to court, the court of problems, the court of of distress, the court the the the, the court of I really need this to happen for me. And we take his word and we, and, and, we, and we put it in there. But how has that affected my own life? I've only got a, a bit of time for a few quick testimonies. I want to make something very clear when I bring some testimonies out. These are not blueprints. Don't try this at home, children. All right? This is something where God has spoken to me personally and asked me to do something or he's activated something in my life he is no respecter of persons, but he
2: is a respecter of principles. To be honest, what I'm going to tell you today, I don't really know how they
1: came together. I'm kind of like that guy who says, well, I don't really know what happened. I was blind, but now I see. So I had all these problems, but then God came in and sorted it out. You know, it's like the young lady bleeding for many years. Touched the edge of the garment of, of Jesus. There was no doctrinal reason why that was going to work. There was no purpose of why. There was, no, there was no scripture to say if you touch that garment,
2: your life is going to be changed and different. It's,
1: where is she? The young lady who was, oh, she's sitting here. She's sitting here. You know, today, this is what's happening with you. You're touching, you're touching the hem of his garment. For whatever's happened in the last 12 years, where all the pain and all the agony, all the internal bleeding, all the things that have happened, you're touching God. You do not know what's gonna happen. You don't know why it's gonna happen. But all I know is that because you're reaching out today, because you wanna touch God, for everything that's happened, God's stopping the bleeding. God's stopping this now. And God is gonna take you into a place where you couldn't even consider. He is changing things. He is pivoting you right now, right now, right this very moment and he is going to adjust things. You are going to have a smile on your face and a laughter in your heart like you've never known. Why do I, why do I want to tell you what God has done? In John three, sorry, 4, 39. Now, many Samaritans from the city believed in him, this is Jesus, and trusted him as saviour, because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me all the things that I've done today. Today, I want to tell you what God has done for me. God knows your situation and God knows how to get you out of there. A number of years ago, I was in a church. There's, there's, um, a, there's a lady who was in that church in, in that time. She's in this room. And... Uh, We had a week load of prayer and fasting. My life looked pretty tragic at the time. I had $67 in my bank account. I had a car that was broken down, which was going to cost me a couple of thousand dollars to fix up. I had nowhere to live and I had no job. But the $67, I went to the man of God and I just said, Do you believe that the widow of the two might threw her money in there for want of a better life? It couldn't have changed her life. It couldn't have. It couldn't have. Meant, you know, it wasn't everything there. It, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, enough to, to, to do anything with she, she threw it all in. Do you believe that she put it in there because she was going to trust the God she was giving to to give him a better life? And the man of God said, "Yeah, okay, I, can't, I can't believe in that. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Martin." So I gave the church my sixty-seven bucks. Not a big tie, but anyway, I put, I put it in. So we were fasting for the week, day one, day two, day three, day four, nothing. Day five, day five. A guy walks in, into the church, he walks up to me, he hands me an envelope, he says there's a check inside of there, I, I, I have signed it, it is for whatever it costs you to get your car out. Fill it up with fuel, get the car, there, there is the check. Thank you very much. A lady walked in, she was a Jewish lady, And uh, she'd been very close to some very senior leaders here in Perth. And she walked in, she had tears rolling down her eyes and she, she walked up to me and she gave me a box and
2: an envelope. And she said, last night, God told me to give you this. And she said, I know it's gonna change your life. Well, she had
1: no idea how much it was gonna change my life. You see, inside of that box, was a diamond ring which used to belong to Margaret Court. With that was an envelope with a valuation of eight and a half thousand dollars. I was able to sell that ring for eight and a half thousand dollars and completely rearrange my life and start business from that point on. However, I had no job. A guy walks in at the end of the day and he says, I don't know whether you're interested, but my boss wants someone to work for them. I think you'd be right. I said, what do you do, mate? He says, I, I sell pest control. I said, what's pest control? He said, well, well you know, kind of you know, bugs and termites and stuff. I said, oh, okay. He said, it was door to door. Well, okay. So I took the job. That job took me from one place to a marketing manager, to a general manager, to an ownership of a business, to the businesses where I have today. Do not despise small beginnings, let me tell you.
2: In the course of my time selling pest control,
1: (coughs) I'd started a uh, a business and I had flyers, so I got a whole pile of flyers and I was living in a house. I didn't have a. I didn't have a car, as I gave that car away. And I had a push bike. So four o'clock in the morning, I, I would get up and I'd put a whole pile of those brochures into my into my backpack. And all we used to have was a pager, not a not a mobile phone at the time. And I would go around and I'd drop those 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 things off from house to house. And I, in the morning, I went right. Right down south, it was probably about 30 k's on my push bike. I went round the area and I did. The time I was coming home, it was really dark and it started to rain. I I, I was pretty upset. I hadn't had any calls during the course of the day. It it, it was just so bleak and horrible. and And I had people... Uh, beeping me from behind because I had no lights on my, on my bike. And, and I was starting to get pretty upset about it. So, you know, I just said, oh, God, you know, I, I'm just going to make a decision. I'm, you're still good, God. You're still good. You're still integrous. You're still great. I got home and the only thing that I had put money into was getting someone into the house that I, I was in to clean the carpets. That was the only thing that, that I, I put money into. And I get home and I thought, gee, the carpet cleaners have done a really good job. No, the carpet cleaners hadn't done a really good job. Someone had come through and taken everything out of my house. They had backed a truck into the property and they had stolen everything. So I looked in there and I had no bed, I had no fridge, I had no anything in there. The only thing they left in there was a little briefcase. There was a little briefcase. So I picked up that briefcase that day and I thought this is either going to kill me or make me. And I tell you what, I started going around there in that briefcase and I said, God, I have got contracts. I have big contracts in this briefcase. You are with me with this briefcase. You are with me in this room. I want to praise you. I want to thank you. I really, really, really want to just tell you that you are so good. Do you have any idea of what God will do if you worship him in the middle of your crisis? Obviously, I went ahead. And I was very successful in what I did. God's not moved by your crisis, but by faith. You know, you're trying to bring to God, go to God highlighting your discomfort. You're trying to highlight your discomfort to a God whose symbol is the cross. Think about that for a moment, people. That just does not make sense. We had a building fund in in our church. At the same time, Raquel and I, we're saving for a building. We had $15,000. Back in those days, that's a fair bucks. Building fund, my own building. Building fund, my own building. So went back to the pastor. See, I do listen to my pastors. I went back to my pastor and I just said, oh, yeah, because Raquel kept saying, oh, we've got to get the money, we've got to give the money, we've got to give the money. Oh, yeah, oh, well, maybe I'll get a little bit. So I went and said, do you think that if
2: I hope God build his house that he'll build our house. And he goes, yeah, I believe that. I believe
1: that. So we gave the
2: $15,000. Two
1: things happened. We built the church. We built God's house. We built God's house. We built it and we built it and it was just a fantastic place to go and worship. The second thing is, God built our house. Now, listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I mean by God built our house. We started with no money when we started the house. When, 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 when we had to go and put a hole in the ground for the foundation, it was ordered without me knowing it, and I had no money in the bank. Not a cent. Not a cent. And the guy said, "Oh, the, 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 the dozer's going out tomorrow." And then I went out there, and the dozer was out there digging holes and make, and costing me money. And I had, I didn't have a cent. I watched God bit by bit build a house without borrowing a cent from the bank. Just, and let me tell you, let me tell you the key, the, one of the key moments in my whole life of building that house. I was petrified. I had engaged people. I didn't have the money, but I really believed that it was right. And the only thing that I can remember was in the Bible, it was Zerubbabel, went to the corner and he cried, grace, grace. So I went to the corner of the house. I am stressing my wife isn't. Gee, that gets me. I went to the corner of the house and I put my hands up against the wall. And I just, for about 15 minutes, just cried, grace, 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 grace. Trying to, and trying to bring some presence of the God, some peace in my life. I turn around and Raquel goes, wow, you know what I just saw? What? She said, Jesus was walking through the house and he's just inspecting everything. And I think, oh, I'm crying, Grace, Grace, and she's getting a vision. <laughs> so, so I get a call from a bricklayer. At this stage, I owe $25,000. He said, man, uh, I need some money. I thought, yeah, no worries, man, no worries. I've got nothing, nothing, zip, zip, nothing, nothing, nothing in my bank. I thought oh god you've got to be in this thing you better be in this thing so and then he said oh mate he said can you come down today he said i i need to get it today i thought well i could write a check and hope and just hope hope that the bank's gonna have a mercy on me in some way and then just before i left he he said to me um yeah mate just make sure you get down this afternoon i really need to grab that check so Myself and my wife prayed, I'm in the car, I hop on the phone to my mother and I just start telling my mother, I am stressed, I am really, really stressed here and she said, why are you telling me, go to the throne, not the phone, she said, she said, I'm not your supply, God's your supply, he told you to build the house, I didn't tell you to build the house, you go to God. God's going to sort it out. So I nearly get there. Raquel phones me. She said someone's just dropped some money around into the house. I said, whoo, how much is it, honey? She said, $18,000. I said, oh, gosh, God is good. I'm nearly home. I'm nearly home. So I get there and I'm thinking, oh, I still $18,000. Yeah. Oh, I probably still, I'm still short. I don't know about writing this check. Then the guy says to me, make it out to cash. I've got to cash it this afternoon. I've got to pay the wages. Oh, God. You take me this far and you not, don't deliver? Raquel phones me again. She says, I don't know if it made, made any difference, but it's US dollars that they dropped in. I said, get it to the bank. Get it to the bank, honey. Just in case you wonder, when I say God over delivers, have a look at the house that God built for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I didn't really expect that one. That, that, that one came in pretty, pretty good for us. Okay, I had a tax debt of $80,000. Yes, you can get yourself in a mess. I had a tax debt of $80,000. So what do I do? I fall on my knees and ask God for, for help. And he says, well, he says it's, the, uh, it's in the fish. I thought, "You're yeah, great. I, yeah, I know the scripture, Jesus. Maybe you want me to go down the beach and I'll just keep on fishing and keep on grabbing some fish and getting, the, get, getting something outside, out, out of the fish. And I thought, this is really weird. This is, I just can't, can't get this out of my head. A lady walks into my office and she says, can you sell my business? I look at it and I go, yep, I can sell that business. Two days later, I have a cash offer on the business. I settle the business two weeks later within the, within the time for the ATO and I made $90,000 on that one transaction. What did it sell? Fish.
2: Now, I'm not going to embarrass someone here, but they'll know who it is. Years ago,
1: we made a decision to swim the English Channel. <laughs> and I remember someone just said to me, I said to him, you, you don't really believe we're going to make it. He just said, no, I don't. I love you, brother. I love you. He said, no, I don't. And I thought, well, you know, well, God, you're into everything I ask for. Whether it's something physical, whether it's something spiritual, whether it's something that we just want to do to achieve, you're in the middle of it. So God, you need to be in it. So the season starts for the English Channel and it was just immacul- remarkable that we could even get a swim. You're normally gonna wait for a couple of years because it's all, it's all registered and everything. So, so we get there, already people have failed, 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 failed. Samuel and I get into the water. We're the first ones to get across that season. We're the first father and son to swim the English Channel together. You see, here's where the power was, though. When the boy was four and a half years old and he had cancer, and now we going to take his leg off, all I said, God, is to keep this boy alive. Keep him keep him with us. Just keep my son alive. You see, but that wasn't good enough for God. He said, no, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you an English Channel crossing because he, I am bigger than that boy's broken leg. For two years, every morning, Samuel and I used to get up at about 4.30 in the morning. We'd go down to the beach and we would pray. We're very, very structured in what we did. We'd praise and worship, word of God, then listen to a message and then, and then pray. During these periods of time, things were up and down financially and you know things were a little bit of a struggle for the smoothie household you know i've I've known what it's like to flick the lights on when they don't flick on i know what it's like to turn the gas on when the gas doesn't turn on i know what it's like to have the water restricted you see you're looking at what you see is the highlight reels. What you don't understand is what's happening behind the scenes. So we're down there seeking God. I kind of figure it's best off seeking God because seek first the kingdom of God and everything else is going to be sorted. My prayer list would have been too big at the time, so I just thought we'd just seek God. And this
2: one particular morning, I heard the message broke, busted and disgusted. And I thought, that's me. That's me.
1: And the minister went on and just say, if that's you, yes, yes, I hear that's me in the front euro, on the front beach, yes. Yes, if that's you, you need to do something radical. You need to go and buy something. Go and do something really radical. So I went home. I sat in the bed with Samuel, and we said, let's go sailing. And he goes, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. So we go through. We find a yacht over in Croatia. We book the yacht. Suddenly find out we've got to put a deposit on it. Oh, okay, God comes through with the deposit. Suddenly realize we don't have a license. So, oh, gosh, God, we need some money for a license. We've got to go to Thailand and get a license. And then off we go, we go, son. And I can tell you what, it was bittersweet when I sailed that yacht out of Dubrovnik Harbour, just going, how good is God? He took me from that place to where it is. I tell you what, you're better off listening to a word of faith than one that doesn't have any faith. We have gone back every single time into, into Europe, sailed, hiked adventured every time we planned it i did not have a cent in my bank to do that and someone in this room would be a bit surprised because they've been on that yacht don't don't tell someone your problems don't tell your problems to someone who can't help you you know the women the woman whose son died and she was going to go and see the man of god and walking along the the path and the people say hey how are things going all good, all good. I don't connect with people who cannot assist me. I surround myself with people of faith. Sit around a table and tell everyone that has no faith about your problem, you're going to walk away with a bigger problem. In my darkest hour, and I'm not going to go into de- the depth of it, but in the darkest hour inside of my marriage, let me tell you, everyone said, It's dead. It's dead. It's finished. It is absolutely gone. One voice said to me, Is that the best the devil can do? My wife sits here today. I want everyone to dig into this next little one Psalm 92 13 to 15. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Regardless of my age, I'll remain fresh and flourishing in God. My best fruit is yet to come. My age is not what positions me in life, it is my relationship and my faith relationship with God and me being planted in the house. In Psalm 528, it says, But I am like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. I trust in God's faithful love forever and ever. Now I did a study on the olive tree. Once again, something you would have done for sure. But this is what this is what I want. Right. They're tough equipped to handle drought, sub-zero temperatures, frost and even fire. Olive trees are extraordinarily resilient. Their roots go down strong and they can regrow even when it seems like they've been totally decimated. You know, church can be a dry and frosty and sometimes hot place for some, but only those that are planted can kick back to life after being smashed. If you are not bearing fruit, you are your roots are not in the right place. That is a pot plant. That pot plant can live, it can do, it can have a great life as long as someone else just comes along and waters it. But that pot, pot plant might say, oh, I don't like this room. I might go to another room. Oh, God, i might go and sit in another room. So, oh, I'll, I'll just go over there. You see, the difference between a pot plant and a tree, a tree roots will go down and dig its own water and dig its own nutrients. You choose whether you want to be planted or whether you do not want to be planted. Planted isn't having isn't having a cup of coffee with some friends with church, seeking life's answers over one over one conversation. It's not spasmodically turning up to church, hoping that the message for the day is the one thing that's going to keep you going for another week. It is sitting in a place inside of of the church, where you are using what you've got in your life, where you are joining with everybody else, where you're building and you're getting built. The biggest key I've found is this. Make the adjustments that you feel God is prompting you. And the only way that I can do that very comfortably is because I'm planted and I know the voice around me. I want to tell you a little testimony of something very recently about being planted in a house. You see, I believe God wanted me in this particular house. I would prayed for six months. I'd fasted for 21 days. I don't say that proudly. I I just really wanted to be where God wanted me to be. There was no doubt. I just wanted to be where God wanted me to be. Anyway, I had a cup of coffee with Matt. And the pastor one day, we walked out, and I knew that God wanted to say something to me from this guy. And this guy's pretty brash. Have a cup of coffee with him. Just be careful because he can bring the house down inside of the cafe. All right. Yeah, he'll just start, he'll just start hammering out prayers and there won't be anything. But I'll just take this conversation outside to the front of my car. And he started prophesying over my life. And what he was doing, he was speaking some stuff which 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 was, How can this be God? Because there's some stuff there that's really dead.
2: How could could this man be so, but it was so clear, it was so clear, it was so clear. I wanna show you a photo. Okay,
1: yes, that's me hiking. Okay, I just wanna tell you what happened here. That is in the highlands of Ireland. And uh, Sam took the photo, it was quite weird because my phone rang and it probably shouldn't have rang because we shouldn't have been in in a reception area. It was the phone that rang. One of the things that he spoke over my life, the man of God spoke over my life, was about a transaction. And I thought, you have no idea that thing is dead, 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 dead. Absolutely dead. That phone call that he happened to take the photo of was the guy on the other end just saying, because these guys weren't even talking to each other, going, the deal's back on. The bottom line for that I believed, I just believed, I thought, yeah, it's going to come together. It was the biggest transaction I've ever done in my entire life. And it's just settling now. You know, as long as you're planted where God wants you to be, you're going to see some things. You might say to yourself, well, I've got to get everything right in my life, Martin, you know, work, you work, you've got everything right in, right in your life. No, wrong. Let me tell you, <laughs> and, don't, and don't slaughter me for this one. This is a cracker i was standing on a pulpit i had spoken about faith i had made an altar call this woman came up and she just responding to the word just said i'm in a real financial mess i need god to 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 help me out and i thought i know you i know why you're in a financial mess i know everything about you and i cannot i am arguing with god at the time really and i thought no she's responded to the word so by faith i just went well god You're faithful to your word. You're going to fulfill it because it's been spoken. Signs and wonders are going to happen. Bang, I'll pray for this good lady. Two weeks later, she came to me and she goes, Martin, how amazing. My uncle won lotto when he bought me a house. Oh, gosh. Jesus. Yeah. Watch the room when we have an article. Faith to forgive. I stand here today because someone decided to forgive. Someone had faith that their future was going to be better. The future of what God, what, what God had for us wasn't going to be reflected in the past. Someone was going to trust God more than they're going to trust me. Someone was going to trust God for, for what was going to happen in our family. I stand here and I have my family in this house because someone had faith to forgive. Do not find yourself caught up in unforgiveness. Freedom is available. If death is, going to set, if death is going to set you free, let death be your savior. What has God done with some of the stuff? Oh, what a, you know, you're blessed to be a blessing. We've been gifted to be able to give others to, things to others. I went into a house, I paid down the mortgage of a young youth pastor. I then gave them some money to be able to go and do something. It changed their life forever. It just absolutely shocked them. That's what happens when you're, when you're with God. I have paid down church debts. I have, we have given as a family $100,000 in one hit. That sounds good, doesn't it, Pastor? Right? We paid, pers- we paid, paid personal debts for others. We blessed others with, ho- with holidays. We even have, I've got a guy in this room who, is, who has been on a holiday with us, had no understanding behind the scenes what what actually happened but you know when jesus comes and does suffer us it doesn't always work out as planned you know sometimes some people don't like it ask lazarus jesus raised lazarus from the dead then everyone came around and tried to kill him so we never hear from him again you know some of the time over the period of time i've lost friends when people go why don't you sell the house and why don't you do this and why don't you do that and I've had to walk away from friendships. You know, I want to thank God for, for the people that he's taken out of my life.
2: That's faith. Is Sue Gould, Gould here? Sue Gould, Gould. Sue. Sue, how are you going? Let me
1: tell you. God is bringing a whole pile of new people around your life. God is going to change adjust, and He's going to do such an incredible thing just in the insides of your life. What has happened What has happened in the past will have no power in your future. What has happened in the past is just gone. It's dead. It's finished. Everything is gone. He's the new beginning. He's going to pivot from this day on. He's going to change things for you. He's going to bring around a whole new range of people. He's going to build you and he's going to build you and he's going to build you. But sister, he's going to use you because I'm in this church because you told
2: me to come to, come to this church For those that have been around
1: I'm winding it up for those that have been around Jesus in the church for a while Hebrews 10:35 to 37 and I want you to read this because it's for you so don't throw away Throw it all away now. You were sure of yourself then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan. So there will be, so so there be, so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any moment. Let me tell you. This is what Jesus said: "Greater than, greater than these." Before I finish, I just want to give you a very, a very quick story, for those that are in
2: this room that have never heard the gospel before. We were in Sicily a few months ago,
1: and um, <clears throat> Sam had asked Sam had asked us to park in a particular area because of the scenic as- aspect of it. It was just spectacular. So we took some drone shots at night, in the afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. And he said, I wanna take some drone shots in the morning. He said, there's a big archway over there. He said, I wanna take the drone through that. And uh, he said, in the morning, we'll, t- we'll do that. So we got up in the morning, we, we took the, the drone up and I, I, I could see it and something was a little bit, oh gosh. I don't know if that's the smartest thing, putting that drone through that. And all of a sudden, he goes through there and he loses complete control of the drone. The whole archway was metallic and he'd lost the satellite connection. So very quickly, we pulled the anchor. At that particular stage, my wife said, oh, I had a dream last night that we're gonna lose the drone. Huh. God, I could have told me that before. So we pulled the anchor. We went round the other side and we were on the side of a volcan- volcanic uh, mountain. It was just the island was just one big volcano. It was all grey, the same colour as my drone. Surrounding that was, was very, very deep water, clear, nice, precise. So I start heading out there and I thought I'm going to go in, and find this drone. And after a while I thought, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, is, is the drone really that important? And I thought, no, the drone's important because we put it there. The drone's important because for whatever reason, I'm gonna to need to find that drone. For whatever reason, I need to go and get that drone. So the one thing I don't like is height. So after swimming up and down and going along the shore and everything, I decided to climb over the top. And as I went over the top, I thought, I'm going to find that drone. I'm going to find that drone. It was so important to me to find the drone. You see, it belonged to my son, and I just thought, well, I just want to get it back for him. It was just something really important to me. So I went over, and I found the drone. And unfortunately, the drone
2: wasn't looking good at the time,
1: and this was the drone.
2: And I thought I could leave that there,
1: but I thought, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to lift it up. I'm going to hold it out of the water. I'm going to take it back to the boat and give it to my son.
2: If you're in this room and you do not know Jesus, that's exactly what God is doing at the moment. He's going to find
1: you. This might be a resemblance of your life. Broken, looking like no one's going to find you. Looking, being in a place where you just fit in because you look like everything else heartache life falling apart but I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is coming to find you he's not going to let you there he's going to hold you up in pride and he's going to restore your life that God that I spoke about today was the God that wants to help you in your
0: life thank you for joining us for this message today